Thank you, Mary Ellen, for that piece. Preparing uh, our hearts as we open God's Word today in Matthew chapter 26. We are uh, in this sermon series that's entitled, Come to the Table. Uh, everyone's welcome a seat uh, at the table. It's been prepared uh, for everyone. And we've talked about uh, the different elements of this table. Last week, uh, we talked about the bread and the role it plays in the body of Christ, uh, the role that it plays uh, for the, the life that Jesus gives to us. And today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the cup. And so uh, let's begin by reading from Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful this morning for the love that is shown in your Son, Jesus Christ. We're grateful that his blood was shed to bring us the forgiveness of sins. And as we approach this morning your word, we pray that Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit, will lead and guide our hearts as we seek to know you more. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanksgiving is just around the corner. Has everyone gotten there? Uh, Thanksgiving shopping done, gotten your turkeys, your stuffing, and everything you need for Thanksgiving? I hope so. Uh, I know not everybody celebrates Thanksgiving, but it's at least a holiday that most of us are aware of, or we have some kind of tradition that meets around the table. And what an appropriate conversation we're having this morning as we meet around the table. Everybody has their own traditions as they meet around the table. When growing up, I, I remembered specifically that my grandfather was always the one who prayed uh, around Thanksgiving. And we respected that and we honored that. And when he passed away, my, my uncle uh, stepped up and he was the one who prayed around that table at Thanksgiving. And the prayer was specific. And, and many of us in our culture, we think about what we're going to pray about. We think about what Thanksgiving represents for us. The Jewish culture was similar. Uh, they would have festivals. They didn't have Thanksgiving, and obviously they didn't have Christmas. They didn't have Easter. But what they did have was something called Passover. And there's a lot that we need to discuss this morning about Passover before we dive into what that cup actually represents. We need to understand the importance of this Jewish festival and the lives of the disciples and of Jesus. Maybe many of you will remember the story of Israel. Remember that God uh, sent 10 plagues through Moses to Egypt so that Pharaoh would release the Israelites and they could travel to Canaan, which is God's promised land to them. You see, Pharaoh treated the Israelites as slaves as they lived in Egypt. 
And God heard their cries, and he was ready to free them from slavery. But Pharaoh, his heart was hardened. And each of those plagues were given to soften his heart so he would free the Israelites. The one that broke him, the last of all the plagues, was an angel of death who killed the firstborn son of everyone who lived in Egypt, including Pharaoh's own son. The Israelites were instructed to slaughter a lamb and to smear that lamb's blood over the doorframe so that the angel of death might pass over their homes, allowing their children to live. Thus the Jews, here in Matthew chapter 26, 1,500 years after the Passover event, were still celebrating God's deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt and the future appearance of the Messiah. Through the years since the Israelites were freed from Egypt, the Jews developed what's known as a Haggadah. And it, it, the Haggadah is very important to us this morning because it's, it, it explains why and when Jesus raised his cup. Haggadah is a Hebrew word meaning telling. The Haggadah was followed by every devout Jew to accurately and deliberately retell the story of Passover. The Haggadah centered around four cups. And these four cups were the expressions of deliverance found in Exodus chapter 6. Let me read those words to you this morning. Here are the four expressions of deliverance. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of slavery, uh, the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with many acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people. Those are the four expressions of redemption, the four expressions of deliverance where God would bring the Israelites out, and they would walk through the story of Passover, starting with each of the ten plagues, and each cup represented a transition to a new section of the story. Therefore, when Jesus takes the cup during the Last Supper, as they were celebrating Passover in the upper room, the disciples knew the story of Passover. They grew up with the Haggadah. They grew up hearing the very deliberate and specific story of Passover. But Jesus leads them through this Haggadah, and he gives them a twist. Jesus picks up the third cup, which refers to the third expression of deliverance. It's the only cup that is shared by everyone. It's the cup that says, I will redeem you. Now with many of the events of the life of Jesus, we can find great symbolism here. Because during the Passover Haggadah, 
he blesses the cup, and he says these powerful, powerful words. Drink from it. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Can we this morning examine and discuss the symbolism that applies to us today as we look at these, uh, this cup and what it represents? The cup represents the shedding of blood. Write that down because this changes so many things for the Jewish Passover and for the Jews. Jesus, he raises his glass and he said, take it, drink. It is my blood. Now this is a twist. This isn't in the Haggadah. This is a twist. They don't even at this point talk about the lamb's blood, but I'm sure the disciples think, well, hold up, Jesus. How's this your blood? If it's anybody's blood, it's the lamb's blood that we should be talking about. A devout Jew would have discussed the significance of redemption at the cost of the, the lamb's blood. It was the perfect and spotless lamb who had to die for the people of Israel. So why does Jesus say it's his blood? During the Passover, Haggadah, at this time, the Jews would open a door and that open door represented the coming of Elijah, who would usher in the time of the Messiah. Do you see the symbolism here? When Jesus says, this is my blood, he is not only saying he is that sacrificial lamb, but he's saying, I am the promised Messiah. And it would be the Messiah's blood not a real physical lamb but the physical jesus christ who would shed blood to redeem us all now in the western church particularly this is one of those pictures that we don't like to think about it, it seems so brutal as a family to watch a lamb slaughtered. And it was Ellis Goldstein, a Messianic Jew, who says these words. The lamb was not a lesson of God's brutality, but it was a disturbing lesson for a different reason. The innocent victim was to take on the sins of the family. And it was painful to watch that lamb die, but it foreshadowed the pain that God would feel when he had to give up his very own son, the ultimate lamb. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, The law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. And we need to remember why this is true. There's a natural law at work within the universe. God created Adam and Eve. They were told they could eat of any tree in the garden except for the knowledge of good and evil. If they ate that fruit, they would surely die. And we are told in Genesis chapter 3 that they wanted to be like God. And they ate of the fruit of knowledge. 
And therefore, every time we sin, we're guilty. We're guilty, and we have the same consequences, which are just. We try to be like God, but Jesus takes that punishment upon himself as the spotless lamb that gives us, as Jesus says, the forgiveness of sins. And that represents redemption. Second uh, representation that I think is important for us to understand with the cup is it not only represents the shedding of blood, the redemption, the, the forgiveness of sins, but he said it's a, take it, drink, it's my blood of a new covenant. Of a new covenant. At covenant is one of those words that might be a little bit forward uh, in the American church. Covenants are a lot more than just a promise, right? And they're, and they're different than a promise. I mean, if I went to the bank and I asked to borrow money and say, but I promise to pay it back, they're going to laugh at me, right? They want more than just a promise that we're going to pay them back. Banks want a sacrifice to seal the promise. You may not have ever thought of it in that way, but they want collateral, can I put a lien against your house? Can I put a lien against your car? Can I put a lien against something that has value? That's a sacrifice. Or you have to pay a percentage up front. That's a sacrifice. The sacrifice in a banking deal is a seal of the promise in a covenant relationship. Or think of it this way. Marriage is a covenant relationship designed by God. And you can look through the Bible. It doesn't say anything about premarital sex because sexual union was designed by God to seal the marriage covenant. It's in that union that man and woman give of themselves sacrificially together to make one flesh, God tells us. And that sacrifice seals the vows made to one another which makes marriage a covenant. And so when Jesus raises this cup and says it's a blood of a new covenant, we've got to get back into the minds of the Jews and ask the question, what covenant is he talking about? Look at Hebrews chapter 9 for the whole story of the Mosaic covenant that Jesus is referring to. When, Jesus, when Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law at Mount Sinai, by the way, to all the people of Israel, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branch of a hyssop, and he sprinkled the scroll, and then he sprinkled all the people, right? And he said, this is the blood. This is the blood of the covenant. This is the blood of the covenant. It brought union between God and Israel. And now the sacrifice is Jesus himself. And as he raises that cup, that cup represents the shedding of blood that would be a covenant between God and you. A promise made between God and 
and you. And his disciples were very confused, and they should not have been confused because the prophets foretold the Messiah would usher in a new covenant. It was Jeremiah 31. Well, we read, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, and it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I led them by the hand out of Egypt, that is the Mosaic covenant, because they broke that covenant. Though I was a husband to them, the Lord said. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. When you take that cup in your hand this morning, you are participating in a sealed covenant. Sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ that brings the union between God and us. So the, the cup represents shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. The cup represents a covenant that's made that's sealed with the blood of Jesus. But then he passes that cup around, which then becomes a shared story. The cup represents a shared story. Many of you know, because I've shared from the pulpit and privately, that I have a very complicated family tree my sister Michelle is 24 years older than I am. I didn't grow up with Michelle because she was married and had a child of her own by the time I was born. That's right. I have a nephew that's over a year older than I am. We would visit her. I would play with my nephews like they were my cousins. And, uh, but I didn't really know Michelle as I was growing up. But Today, you know, 30 years later, I have this longing to know Michelle because she knew my father before I knew my father. You see, my father passed away when I was 14 years old. That means I only had 14 years of my life to know my dad, and my dad didn't share stories with me. Therefore, Michelle becomes the story told of my father. It's a story that draws us together as siblings that did not grow up together. Remember, Haggadah means telling. The whole purpose of the Passover Haggadah was to share accurate and deliberate to all of Israel. So every child, every grown adult would know the story of Israel, of the deliverance of them from Egypt. Luke's gospel records that we should do this. I keep pointing at the offering. I forget the communion's off to the side now. 
But the, it, he says to take this communion, take this blood, take this bread, take this body, and do it in remembrance of me. Jesus is giving the disciples, and us essentially, a new Haggadah. We have a new telling to share with our children and our children's children. We raise the bread, we raise the cup, and we do this to remember the sacrifice of the one true Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. The purpose to share that story is so that all will know, and that's what draws us together. God brings us out of the yoke of sin. God frees us. God redeems us. God calls us his own. It is the new Haggadah. This morning, we're going to share in that new telling. While we sing a song, I'm going to encourage you to go to these corners and and grab the cup and, and grab the bread and then uh, we're going to finish singing the song. Someone's going to come up and, and share the story as well. And it's a reminder. It's something that draws us together. That cup is the covenant. That cup is the shedding of blood. That cup draws us together in a shared story. And this is the story. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself. He carried the cross, and that love is so amazing. His body, the bread, the blood, the wine, broken, and it was poured out all for love, and the whole earth trembled, and that veil was torn. It's a love so amazing. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. He's the rescue for sinners. He's the ransom from heaven. Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Jesus Messiah, God our Father, we pray to you this morning with grateful hearts, with praise on our lips, declaring the goodness that you showed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We are grateful for the forgiveness of sins. We are mindful of the new covenant. And now we share that story with each other not only as a remembrance and not only out of obedience, but we do it because of the importance of what you did and who you are. And we lift that to you this morning. Praying in all things, your will be done. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.